Today's scripture reading is from 2 Chronicles 31, verses 1 to 10. Now when all this was finished, all Israel who were present went out to the cities of Judea and broke down the pillars, hewed down the sacred poles, and pulled down the high places and altars throughout all Judah and Benjamin and in Ephraim and Manasseh until they had destroyed them all. Then all the people of Israel returned to their cities, all to their individual properties. Hezekiah appointed the divisions of the priests and of the Levites, division by division, everyone according to his service, the priests and the Levites for burnt offerings and offerings of well-being, to minister in the gates of the camp of the Lord and to give thanks and praise. The contribution of the king from his own possessions was for the burnt offerings, the burnt offerings of morning and evening, and the burnt offerings for the Sabbaths, the new moons, and the appointed festivals, as it is written in the law of the Lord. He commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites, so so that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the word spread, the people of Israel gave in abundance the fruits, first fruits of grain, wine, oil, honey, and of all the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. The people of Israel and Judah, who lived in the cities of Judah, also brought in the tithe of capital, uh, cattle and sheep, and the tithe of the dedicated things that had been consecrated to the Lord their God, and laid them in heaps. In the third month, they began to pile up the heaps and finish them in the seventh month. When Hezekiah and the officials came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites about the heaps. The chief priest, Azariah, who was of the house of Zadok, answered him, Since they began to bring the contributions into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty to spare. For the Lord has blessed his people so that we have this great supply left over. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mark, for reading our scripture this morning. And thank you, Tina, for sharing on behalf of the Finance Committee today. It is a joy to be with you this morning. My name's Emily. I'm one of the pastors here at Ebenezer, and I can't wait to share with you about a trip that we took a few weeks ago to Sierra Leone. Would you pray with me? God of grace and God of mercy, God of peace and presence, we lift ourselves to you today. We lift our words to you today. We lift our hearts, our steps, all that we are to you today. And Lord, as we do, we also pray that you would uh, use this message this morning and get me out of the way, that these would be your words to share with us today from your heart. In the name of Christ, we pray, the one who is our Savior And our refuge always. Amen and amen. Well, a phone call came. It was a friend of mine. She said uh, she didn't know whether to laugh or cry. 
and she started to tell me the story. She said, well, that morning early, her husband was off and out to work, and that left her to get the three children up and dressed and fed and teeth clean and coats on and lunch bags full and out the door and on the school bus in time. Which, if you have never done that for three small children under the age of ten, is no small feat each and every day. She said, then, as I was uh, going down 95, I know I've got a big presentation this morning, so I looked down to make sure I had remembered to change out of my pajamas. And she said, then I noticed at that time that my shoes did not match. One was black. And one was brown. She said, do you think anyone will notice? I said, well, let's choose to laugh instead of cry. And I bet your presentation will be so incredible they won't even look at your feet. I said, use lots of hand gestures. (laughs) And that way you can draw their attention (laughs) up instead of down. And then she said this. I want a human reset button. Is that great? I want a human reset button too. How often do any of us want a human reset button? Our priorities might need one. Sometimes our marriages need one. Our parenting may need one. Our grandparenting may need one. Our personal finances may need one. Our careers or study habits might need one. But our faith and the living out of it may need one too. God has ways of resetting us. Many of you know our church recently sent a team of eight people to Sierra Leone to work with one of our long-standing mission partners called Helping Children Worldwide. I was blessed to get this skirt while I was there. And um, I want you to see some of the people that we met. It's a ministry in Sierra Leone that incorporates a hospital and a child reintegration center that supports orphans and vulnerable families. Their goal is to strengthen and empower children and families and thereby villages and communities together. We met incredible people who are making such an impact in the world. Doctors, nurses, volunteers, people who are social workers and case managers and pastors. And when I grow up, I want to be more like them. And I want you to meet the people who went with our team. It was a privilege to see those folks at work. Some of our team members are here today. Uh, would you stand? Is anyone else? There were several at the early service today. And I know many of you have been in previous years. Would you stand as well? Some of our church members have been in previous trips. Only a couple here today. Would you thank them for being part of that? I want you to see this picture of us with some folks that we met. That's Ellen and Marianne and Chris and Deb and me and Amy and Tammy. And I promise Mark was there too. He took the picture. And that's why you're not seeing him at this actual moment. I have been part of 20-some mission trips in my life. 
And I have learned that a good mission trip is like a reset button every single time. It makes me question my priorities. It makes me uncomfortable in ways I need to be made uncomfortable every single time. It raises holy questions in me that I cannot answer and that is a good thing. Because priorities can get off track for a pastor as much as anyone else. It is easy to leave the house and wonder on any given Sunday morning if I changed out of my pajamas or if my shoes happen to match, which thankfully they do today. You've probably heard that old preacher's joke that being a pastor is like being the only dog who showed up at a Whistler's convention. Because you're being pulled in so many different directions all at the same time by different voices. And in the midst of that, sometimes we forget that God's voice needs to be the loudest. And the one that we hear above all the others. The one that we hear above all the other whistling. And sometimes it's easy to let what matters most slip off the front burner, right? And when that happens, the time is ripe for a reset button. The time is ripe for a mission trip. Our scripture today is also about people who needed a reset button. Their priorities had been off for a generation or more. And our reading today comes from the book of Second Chronicles, which is actually rarely read in worship. It's not in the lectionary, but it is a treasure trove of faith and spirituality. And I invite you to read more of it in the coming week. It dates to the late Persian period, say 550s to 330s BCE. Our passage today is about the impact of how God is using a person named Hezekiah. Hezekiah is the king of Judah. And 2 Chronicles 29 and 2 Kings 18 both tell us that Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Hezekiah is even included in the lineage of Jesus. Hezekiah was a reformer. And his name means God strengthens. God used him to strengthen the community of faith. For Hezekiah was a big reset button. And his agenda was unity, worship, and generosity. Our passage begins with the words, When all this was finished. So we immediately ask, When all what was finished? Worship, actually, is the thing to which it refers. In the previous chapter, Hezekiah had united people from the south, from the north, and foreigners and outsiders to celebrate the Passover for the first time in years. He reinstated this foundational practice of worship that had fallen to the wayside as he brought people together in the temple to remember how God had brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of bondage, and into a new life. This went on for several days, and after several days of worship, people eventually went back home, but the impact continued to spread. In today's passage... Hezekiah continues what he had started. 
taking down altars to false gods and cultic practices. He then turns to the practice of giving and sets the example by giving first out of his own possessions. And word spreads and people begin giving in abundance the first and best of their grain, wine, oil, honey, and a tithe, which is 10% of everything. Then people began to tithe to cattle and sheep. Verse 6 says the gifts came in heaps. The joy of giving was contagious. One gave, another gave. One family gave, another family wanted to give. The joy of giving is like that. It went on for four straight months. Maybe you've experienced the joy of giving like that. Maybe you've gotten a gift for Angel Tree. It was so much fun you came back and wanted to get another name, to get another gift for another child. And you had so much fun doing that. You told people, your coworkers, your neighbors, and then they wanted to find out how they could do it too. And then they started to get gifts for the Angel Tree. And before we know it, we've got gifts piled up to give to kids and seniors at Christmas. You've seen that happen, right? It happens here year after year after year. When Hezekiah and the officials came, they saw those heaps of all that people had given to God. And when Hezekiah asked the chief priest about it, he said that since people began to bring the contributions to the house of the Lord, they had enough and plenty to share. With a great supply left over. So much so that the temple was fully functioning again after it hadn't been for a long time. And worship and giving were building bridges, lifting people who had been divided to a shared unity. The gifts helped and strengthened the house of the Lord and the entire community. What if the same thing happened here, God is leading us after a difficult season of COVID and denominational matters to focus on unity, worship, service, bringing people together with different backgrounds, different positions to worship God together and move forward and put differences aside. God is a God of unity who reconciles and builds. What if The same thing happened here with the pastors and leaders of the church setting the example and leading the way through the joy of worship and tithing and giving that 10% or whatever percent we can and working up to a tithe year over year. And what if the joy of worship and giving gifts to God started to spread and it turned into heaps piled up with enough and a plenty to share? I would love to see God lead that in us. Because I've seen joy like that when people worship and give to God. So I saw it three weeks ago in Sierra Leone. Did you know, at the church we attended three Sundays ago, They take up more than one offering during the worship service. Did you know that the people danced as they came forward to put the offering in the offering basket? Did you know that it was the most joyful part of the service? 
I'd love to see our ushers dancing, wouldn't you? Are y'all up for it? (laughs) I'd love for that time in the worship service to be joyful and for us to be coming forward. Can't wait to put our gifts in an offering to our God who loves us more than we can even wrap our heads around. When we worshipped in Sierra Leone three Sundays ago, they brought out a chest marked men's offering and a chest marked women's offering. It was like a fun contest to see who could give more. They asked one of our men, Mark, to stand in front of the men's offering box and one of our Amy, one of our Amy, one of our women, Amy, to stand in front of the women's box and they were dancing too. And people were coming up and dancing and clapping and singing and bringing our offerings and it was so joyful and it was not lost on me that this was in a place where the people had unreliable electricity if they had any and a place where people had unreliable plumbing if they had any and in a place where people had very little food eating one meal a day, most of them, if they had that. And they were dancing and celebrating the joy of giving to God. The lead pastor at that church had invited me at the beginning of the service as a visiting pastor. I don't know who let that word out, but he asked me to come and sit with him at the front of the church in this very big chair, and my feet didn't touch the floor. And it was very humbling that he invited me to sit up there with him. And at this point of the service, he came over to me and stretched out his hand with this huge smile on his face. He said, it's time for the offering. Like we can't wait. And I thought, it is never like this at Ebenezer. And I thought, where is my money? I've got to go find it in my backpack. And I pulled out some money and I danced with everybody else down to Amy's box where we were putting the offering in. It was such a joyful part of the service that now we get to give to God. And it's a privilege and a blessing to do it. One of my colleagues told me this past week that when he went on a mission trip to a different nation uh, in Africa, the church counted up what each person had given during the worship service. And at the end of the service, the person who had given the most was then invited to give the last gift of the day. One gift more. Because it was a privilege to be able to give it. As a pastor and a lifelong Christian, I have been in thousands of worship services, and I don't know how many different churches and places of worship. And I have never seen dancing ushers before. I have never seen people that joyful in bringing gifts to God. And I was humbled, and I want to be more like that. Out of all the mission trips in my life, this was one of the hardest and one of the best. 
And more of us will get to share more stories with you in the coming months. But I want to share a particular story with you today. We visited a village out in the bush, which is called Sammy. It's one of the villages that we sponsor here at Ebenezer. We were humbled to meet the chiefs and the assistant chiefs and some of the women's leaders and the Christian pastor and the imam. And they all gathered together and it was just a privilege to meet them. We gave them official gifts of some Kofor bow shirts we brought with us and coffee and sugar. And they gave us a bag of uh, lots of coconuts that had been freshly cut from the trees. And as I was talking with one of the families later while we were there, someone asked, where is the group's pastor? And I raised my hand. <laughs> I wasn't sure what was coming next. And it was the Christian pastor who wanted to know he had just led that large group of people in prayer and in the Lord's prayer. And he wanted to meet me. And that was so humbling. And as he came up, he spoke through an interpreter and said he wanted to give me a gift from one pastor to another. He said he would be praying for me and he wanted to have a chance to encourage me as a pastor And he said um, he wanted to thank me for coming as a colleague. And then he handed me the gift of a chicken, a real live chicken. And as I stood there, I didn't know what to do with it. And I said, thank you. And it didn't seem like enough. And then I realized this is food and this is a huge sacrifice and he has seven children and he lives on almost nothing and he has just given me this enormous gift. How do you say thank you appropriately for that? Two of the men who were with us were kind enough to bring the chicken. I named her Sammy after the village and they were kind enough to put Sammy on their motorbike and bring her back to the village, uh, back to the center where we were staying and we took care of her back behind the center while I was there. We took care of Sammy and I visited her several times uh, throughout the day whenever I could go back and see her. I asked those men who were with us, what would be an appropriate way for me to say thank you? How do I do that in a culturally appropriate way? I'd like to give him food back for his family. They said, well, a chicken is very expensive. A chicken is worth a lot. He said, what about like a 50-pound bag of rice? I said, okay. So I gave them the money, and they got a 50-pound bag of rice, and I gave them money for gas, and those two men took the 50-pound bag of rice on the motorbike all the way back out to Sammy to give it to the pastor and came back with a picture of his family and that he had said he would promise to be praying for a long life for me and my family. And I committed to praying for that for him and his family too. And then those men grinned at me and pulled out from behind their backs the biggest papaya I had ever seen. Because he had given me yet another gift. Who does that? 
the best papaya I have ever had. Our whole team shared it together. You can't outgive somebody like that. It's like you can't outgive God. One of the chiefs that we met said to us, What I know about the world is that we are one. Wherever we live, whoever we are, whether we have a little, whether we have a lot, like the world is this one very large village and we're in this together. That's holy and that'll preach. We are in a season of giving at church. We mailed those estimate of giving cards out, as Tina mentioned earlier. We have them available online. Several people have already submitted them, turned them in. Thank you very much. We'll celebrate them on the 26th together, but you can turn them in any time. Every fall, this is what we do. We encourage each other to give joyfully to God out of gratitude, out of what it means to be a disciple. Before I left with the team from Sierra Leone, I gave Sammy to someone there at the center. And I asked him and his mom to take care of her, hoping that she'd have baby Sammy's. And that would mean more food for more people. That was my hope. And then when we were in Freetown before we left, someone with our group bought me a chicken so that I would never forget the generosity and sacrifice of such a gift. My husband and I will be filling out one of those cards soon too. I made a commitment a long time ago to work toward tithing and it took me a while but I got there and I've been doing that ever since and I'm grateful to continue that today. One of the pastors and counselors we met in Sierra Leone told us if you have a lot of stuff or money it doesn't necessarily mean you are blessed by God. And if you don't have a lot of stuff or money, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not blessed by God. Blessings come in different ways and different sizes, and sometimes blessings look like a chicken. I hope I never forget a chicken named Sammy. I want to keep Sammy in my head and in my heart. I don't want all that made me uncomfortable to stop making me uncomfortable because I think that's holy. And holy discomfort is like a reset button too. I don't yet fully know what God is changing in me because of that trip or in our team or in our church. But I will be a more generous person. And I will hold my possessions more loosely. And I will know that I am united with people who may be very different from me and may not be that different at all. Whether that's where we live or what language we speak or what we may believe. Giving changes us. 
and receiving changes us. We read in Second Chronicles that giving can change a community and God can use it to unite people and turn a little into a plenty. And I learned in Sierra Leone that giving is one of the most joyful things that we can do as the children of God. Are you ready for our ushers to dance a little in the coming weeks? Would you join them? It's a joy to be able to give to God. I learned that from our brothers and sisters in Sierra Leone, and I don't ever want to forget it. It is a gift to be able to give. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen.